Time to talk with Michael Smith, AT&T Sportsnet studio analyst, longtime Clipper broadcaster. Michael, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing all right. We obviously spent a lot of time talking about uh, Kobe Bryant, and we wanted to have you on because uh, obviously, you know, he's an NBA star, and that means, you know, internationally, and he, you know, spent time growing up in Italy and speaks Italian. It's a global thing. Um, but it's got to feel different in L.A. When someone plays 20 years in one city, regardless of the sport, there's a bond. So as much as people are hating this news everywhere, it's got to be hitting harder in L.A., I would think. Yeah, for sure. He's, I mean, the word, I don't know if it does it justice, and it's been thrown around. He's iconic. He's, he's, he's synonymous with basketball in this city, and this city has great basketball history. And so people just randomly gathered at Staples Center yesterday. I'm sure most of your listeners at some point saw footage of that. And it wasn't like, you know, something was, you know, erected, you know, a shrine or anything. It just kind of happened organically. And, you know, they had the Grammys going on. And so this is the week or 10 days every year where the Clippers and Lakers are always out of town. and They head east and play and, and I feel like I was a part of that, you know, for 20 years. I basically, you know, started broadcasting NBA games in Kobe's third year and basically broadcasted, you know, the next 20 seasons. And so I saw 18 of his 20 years up close. And so we shared a building, and which is different than the Jazz might experience and how it is in Utah, right? Because you have that team and in LA, it was so different. You have two teams. And so you're, you're really hallway brothers or neighborhood. And it's a fraternity. You're, you don't practice at the same place, but you play at the same place. Your locker rooms are in the same hallway. And so you see the same people a ton. And it just was really sad. Uh, I haven't lost anyone in my personal life, you know, like super close, not a sibling, not a parent yet. And, you know, but I've lost like eight teammates, but not while they were my teammates, if that makes sense. So I've been to funerals, you know, Reggie Lewis and Dennis Johnson. And, you know, there's been like about eight of them that have gone on Derek Smith and Moses Malone and even Lorenzen Wright, who's drafted in Kobe's same year. And uh, it's not that I'm not an emotional guy. I am. Like, I'm the guy who will cry at a, at a movie with my wife. I'm that guy who could be moved by, you know, literature or music or, you know, some great cinematic piece, especially when it's inspirational. But uh, I've been to, you know, funerals and I've been to things like that, and I don't usually show that emotion. But yesterday I'm in Vegas, my twins, you know, competing in this, their big dance competition of the year. They're 12 years old. And I get the news from, you know, my little jazz group text chain from Bowler and Thurl and Alema and Kristen and Travis is on there and Ron Boone and David Locke. And we're all on this, you know, group text chain. And Thurl just sends a note and says, this can't be true. Or did you guys see the note? And this is really early. <clears throat> And we can't confirm anything except the one story, which is first, right? So it's his TMZ. And I'm in this huge auditorium next to my wife, but, you know, it's just bedlam in there because of 
all these dance groups and it's loud and they go on one act one one after another and lasts all day and I'm telling you guys not that it, I mean I lost it I lost it over I mean he's not a dear friend he's an acquaintance he's a colleague he's a he's a fellow NBA brother but I lost it in this auditorium as these reports were confirmed and I don't get that way and that's weird so for that to happen to me, I guess, shows the impact of how stunning, how shocking. And I was just with him three weeks ago at a game. He's there with that same daughter, Gigi. And I chat with him for five to eight minutes before the game courtside. I mean, I was just with him. It was, I don't know, it was all pretty surreal. So... I was in living in Los Angeles, working for a suburban paper in the eighties, and uh, yeah. covered. You had an opportunity to go to the forum many times, Lakers and Clippers, and all that. So I think I understand the relationship between Magic, Kareem, and the fan base, and and it was really about oh, yeah. it was really about the team, the Showtime team. Magic being the leader, obviously, but you had Pat Riley and and others, Jerry Buss, and then I move up here in ninety three. And not there for the Kobe relationship with the fans. But from my perspective, it seems like, and it's a perspective that's from a distance. It's not there the way it was with the Showtime guys. But it seems like that the bond between Kobe and the L.A. basketball fans was greater and I may be mistaken, but anyway, it seems like it was greater than the Showtime. A, do you agree? And B, if you do, why? I totally agree. And, uh, uh, gosh, um, you know, he's like, he's like the second coming, right? Magic was the first. And maybe it has something to do with uh, technology and the era in which Kobe is, you know, the accessibility and the ability to watch every game. And, you know, when Magic's playing, still not every game's on, right? You, you don't have that intimate connection to every game. I grew up here. And so uh, I don't live in L.A. now. I'm about an hour south, but but still, it's it's L.A. is the team here in Southern California. And yeah, they do have the Clippers, and I worked for them for 20 years. But this city has always loved the Lakers, right? 16 titles. The Clippers don't have one yet, so there's a lot of history to erase before this becomes somebody else's city. But I think it has to do with that accessibility, like in Kobe's lifetime becomes the internet and cell phones and the NBA emerges and is in your screen every night. And that has a ton to do with it. Like, uh, like when I'm growing up and I'm in high school and watching magic and the Showtime Lakers, which were easily the most fun team ever to watch because of the way they played and magic's persona and how they played and how they ran and they won. So five titles in a period of 10 years in the 80s is, <clears throat> is hard to beat. But, you know, even then, there's one game a week on Sunday afternoon on CBS, and also there's a repeat game on Friday night at 11.30 on tape delay. And that's your access to the NBA other than the sports page and the local news. So your local sports anchor, you know, is bringing you those highlights every night. The ESPN is not quite, you know, happening yet. Um, I remember asking my parents for ESPN for Christmas, 
not even knowing what it was. I just knew what it stood for, the acronym. <laughs> and my parents, uh, when they responded Christmas morning, they're like, we don't know what that is, and we don't know how to get it. I mean, I just had heard about it through the newspaper, like, I want that. Entertainment Sports Programming Network, sports all day long on one channel. I want that. It wasn't even available. It was just talked about. But I think also, guys, the fact that Kobe was international, um, he spoke Spanish fluently, he spoke Italian fluently, and such a large base of the L.A. community is Hispanic or Spanish-speaking, and they embraced him as their own. And listen, I've had, I don't know how many encounters with Kobe. Let's just call them exchanges. We've never been to the same restaurant together, but we've been to shoot-arounds together or walking into the building when Lakers played Clippers, or sometimes we're arriving at the place where we flew out of and they're coming. And, you know, just those exchanges that happened normally and naturally through the course of two NBA teams using the same facilities. Every single time Kobe and I chatted was either in Spanish or Italian. We never once spoke in English until that ball game three weeks ago when I'm courtside. That's the only time we ever talked in English. And it's because other people were around us and kind of joining in the conversation. But every other interaction was fluent Italian or fluent Spanish. And it was like it was our thing. And I don't even know why, but it, we connected on that. Maybe because when you're in a group like that, nobody else can really tell what you're talking about. But it was our thing. It was weird. And I don't know. There was, there was such respect from my end for his skills. Like, I love great quarterbacks. I love great shooters. But I love players who become great. And I just felt like Kobe not only had unbelievable talent, but he became great and he worked at it and he added things to his repertoire and his game. <clears throat> I know I'm going too long, but let me just tell you this. That time we spoke three weeks ago at the game, I asked him about golf, okay? Because he lives, another way we connected is we lived in Orange County. So it's like the distance between Provo to Salt Lake, right? So Kobe and I, through all the last 20 years of Clipper players, Laker players, Clipper coaches, Laker coaches, he and I are the only two that live in this area, an hour south. We connected on that, too. We could relate to the commute. He used to ride a motorcycle to avoid the commute, which is awful, and eventually a helicopter, which crazily takes his life yesterday. But when I spoke to him at the game, I said, I go, hey, you live down my way. He goes, of course I know that. Come on. And I go, have you picked up golf in your retirement? He goes, no. He goes, no. He goes, he goes A, I'm terrible at it. B, uh, I said, well, I can teach you. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a trained golfer. I'm scratch. I can teach you how to be great. I said, with your length of arms and your body strength, you'll be amazing. He goes, Mike, I don't have the time to become great at golf. Then he says, there's too much life to live out there. That's three weeks ago. So in other words, here's a guy, he's got too much, too much to do, too much, too much he wants to accomplish. I think part of that hit home with me yesterday as well. Mike, we appreciate a few minutes and the memories. Thanks for joining us. 
You're welcome, guys. You guys do a great job. And uh, the NBA lost uh, an amazing player, and it's just so sad. And I guess a, a wife and a mom lost the leader of their family, right? And three, three more girls lost their daddy. So hmm. I know we mourn the loss of him because of what he was to the NBA, but there's things more personal and intimate and that really matter that are in much more mourning than we are this morning. Michael Smith, AT&T Sportsnet Studio Analyst.